Hello and welcome to the Otter Podcast. I'm your host, Madison Page, and today we are hiking out into the forest to find a worm-riddled log and see if we can find a couple jumbo-sized footprints in the mud. Today on the Otter, we are looking for Bigfoot and the murder that was committed in his name. So lace up your hiking boots, pack your bug spray, and make sure you have the shakiest, grainiest camera you own. And let's go! morning, midnight, or whatever time of the day you are tuning in. I hope everyone had a good time with the last episode and the haunting vision of Telenoid didn't tuck itself into bed with anyone. I'm still creeped out by the whole concept and I feel like now that I know more about it I keep seeing it in the old movies I used to watch as a kid. There was just this whole era of dead-eyed, overly animated movies that we were all victimized by. If you have your own example of the uncanny valley or something you feel is close, let us know by commenting on our Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can even hit us up on TikTok. Remember that the Uncanny Valley was a requested episode, and if you want to have your own request episode, send us an email at theotterpod at gmail.com and include what name you would like to be called or if you would like to remain anonymous. Now, today is an episode I'm very excited about. I am an avid camper, and I grew up curled up in a tent while my dad cracked jokes about Bigfoot coming. That's right, we're doing the big man himself, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, no matter what you call him, it all comes back to a big, hairy, unidentified being slinking through the woods at night. Now I love a good Bigfoot sighting, so if you have your own or know a friend's, or if you have a crazy Uncle Earl who once saw Bigfoot skinny dipping in a reservoir, then I want to hear about it. Send your story to our email one more time, theotterpod at gmail.com. But for now, let's all get comfy and cozy in the woods, gather around the campfire, and let's get to talking about Bigfoot. In the early afternoon of October 20th, 1967, Roger Patterson and Robert Bob Gimlin were riding horseback upstream along the east bank of Bluff Creek. They rounded a bend where they spotted a figure on the opposite bank. The sight of it left both men in a state of shock. Patterson described it as tall, between 6'6 and 7 feet, but later measured it closer to 7 feet 6 inches. Large with wide stocky shoulders and silvery brown or dark reddish brown hair, the character was ape-like, but stood bipedal like a human. The men were about 25 feet away from the creature, and the horses reared up in alarm. Sliding out of his saddle, Patterson grabbed his camera and ran towards it. He yelled back to Gimlin to cover him as Gimlin crossed the creek while trying to get a gun out. He dismounted, rifle in hand, but did not point it at the creature. Patterson ran after it as it lumbered away, desperately trying to capture what he was seeing on film. That film, while shaky and grainy, would go on to become one of the most well-known pieces of cryptid evidence, affectionately called the Patterson film. This film depicts a long-limbed creature with distinct ape-like features strolling through the water up into the woods. The creature would be identified as Bigfoot. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yowie, Yeti, Skunk Ape, all of these names describe the same cryptid. 
Bigfoot is often described as a large, muscular, bipedal, ape-like creature covered in hair that has been described as black, dark brown, reddish brown, silver, or even white. Really any color you can imagine. Descriptions on height vary, but usually fall between 6 to 9 feet, with some descriptions even raising the number up to 15 feet tall. Now let's use the American measuring system of arbitrary items and say that Bigfoot could be as tall as 6 mini fridges, or 17 comic books, or 1.5 kayaks. Sometimes Bigfoot is described as very human-like, especially in the face. In 1971, multiple people in Oregon reported sightings of an overgrown ape, and one of the men claimed to have sighted the creature in the scope of his rifle, but he couldn't bring himself to shoot it because of how human it looked. Some descriptions include no neck, long arms, broad shoulders, and eyes that glow in the dark. The worst descriptors are of the smell. Some people compare it to rotting garbage or an animal carcass. That skunk ape name was not given with affection. Michael Rugg, owner of the Bigfoot Discovery Museum in Northern California, claimed that after an encounter with the creature, the smell was like a skunk that had rolled around in dead animals and hung around the garbage pits. So really the worst of all worlds. Bigfoot, as the name implies, is known for the size of his tracks. While some reports say them to be as large as 24 inches long and eight inches wide. Some footprint casts also show signs of claw marks. In 1958, Jerry Crew, a bulldozer operator for a logging company in California, discovered a set of 16-inch long human-like footprints. Now for context, those that think, well, that's not that big, the Guinness Book of World Records reports the largest shoe size recorded in history was for a man named Robert Wadlow, who wore a size 37 AA which was equivalent to feet that are 18 and a half inches long. So our buddy Bigfoot here is only about one and a half inches smaller than the tallest man who ever lived. But back to Jerry Crew, when he told some of his coworkers about it, they relayed that they had seen similar tracks as well as other oddities around the worksite, like an oil drum that weighed 450 pounds that had been moved mysteriously. They soon began to use the term Bigfoot to describe the culprit, and the story of the logging crew besieged by a strongman prankster leaked to the newspapers, and the use of the name Bigfoot began to circulate. Now get ready for a head whipper. In 2002, the family of Jerry Crew's deceased co-worker Ray Wallace stated that their father had been secretly making the large footprints with carved wooden feet, and he had been making the tracks as a prank. Despite this revelation, many people still consider those claims legitimate and credit it as the origin of the name Bigfoot. This is not to say that Jerry Crew and the crew were holding Bigfoot's baby book. Sightings of the hairy hooligan have existed for ages. Many of the indigenous cultures across the North American continent had their own tales of mysterious creatures living in the woods. Now, these stories differed in their detail both regionally and even between family members. On the Tool River Indian Reservation in Central California, petroglyphs from the Yokuts at a site called Painted Rock were alleged by some to depict a group of Bigfoot called the Family. The local tribesmen called the largest of these depictions Hairy Man. The petroglyphs are estimated 
to be between 500 to 1,000 years old. 16th century Spanish explorers and Mexican settlers in California whispered around campfires and cooking pots about, oh buddy, the Los Vigilantes Oscuros, and I apologize if I mispronounced that, my accent is really fighting me today, but this translates to dark watchers. These were large creatures alleged to stalk the camp at night. A French Jesuit priest living with the Natchez in 1921 in what is modern-day Mississippi reported sightings of hairy creatures that would scream loudly and steal livestock. Now, not all of these stories originate from tribes. Even famous figures in history have recorded tales of the hairy creature. Take President Theodore Roosevelt, who wrote in his 1893 book, The Wilderness Hunter, of a story told to him by an elderly mountain man. The man told Roosevelt of a sour-smelling, bipedal creature that ransacked his beaver trapping camp. The creature stalked the man and his companion before turning violent and breaking the companion's neck in the woods near the Idaho-Montana border. Now, this is one of the few tales in which the creature is reported to have directly attacked or killed someone. A more relaxed story comes from Reverend Elkanah Walker in 1840, who spoke of giants that lived among the natives in Spokane, Washington. These giants lived on and around the peaks of the nearby mountains, stealing salmon from fishermen's nets. Now, this wide display of differing behaviors has stumped many in the Bigfoot community. While this is a cryptid and there are no captive or even recorded wild specimens to study, Bigfoot researchers do agree on some things. Throwing rocks and cracking blows against trees, also known as wood knocking, are believed to be communicative or used to mark territory. Broken and twisted foliage have also been attributed to Bigfoot, as well as lodgepole pine and other small trees bent, uprooted, or stacked in patterns that resemble weaving or crisscrossing, leading some to theorize their potential territorial markings or shelters. Entire deer skeletons have been found suspended high in trees. And in Washington state, a team of amateur Bigfoot researchers called the Olympic Project claimed to have discovered a collection of nests. And they had primatologists study them with the conclusion that they appeared to have been created by a primate. There is also some belief that these creatures are nocturnal and that they may live in family groups similar to gorillas. The vocalizations are what is most well known about Bigfoot. Whole TV shows circle around the concept of a group of researchers in the woods hooting and howling to try to get a response. Bigfoot has been blamed for howls, screams, moans, grunts, whistles, and even a garbled form of language. These behaviors crop up in several different encounters, which leads proof to the existence of the species. A story from 1924, often referred to as the Battle of Ape Canyon, presents miners being attacked by large hairy ape men that threw rocks into their cabin from a nearby cliff after one of the miners allegedly shot at one with a rifle. This rock-throwing display is common and appears in several mainstream and pop culture stories of Bigfoot who terrify people at night. Some have been critical of Bigfoot's rise to fame, arguing that the appearance of the creature in cartoons and reality shows and advertisements further reduces the potential validity of serious scientific research. But still others propose that society's fascination with the concept of Bigfoot stems from human interest in the mysterious, the paranormal, and our loneliness. 
The act of searching for or researching the creature is often referred to as squatching, or if you have a thicker accent like I do, squatching, which was popularized by Animal Planet reality series Finding Bigfoot. I actually did watch this show a lot growing up. So Bigfoot researchers and believers are often called squatchers. During the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, Bigfoot was known as the social distancing champion and was used in several promotional campaigns. The pop culture popularity of the hairy horror is not something that can be denied. I can't tell you the amount of bumper stickers, t-shirts, life-size statues. Heck, this podcast episode on him will most likely be lost in the billions of other episodes out there. Bigfoot is a loved and honored icon, and the mysteriousness of its existence does nothing but help to boost it. Now, as much as the public loves Bigfoot, it is not without its disbelievers. Experts do not give credit to the allegations of the existence of Bigfoot. They feel it is mostly hoaxes, confusion, or delusions. In 1996, Washington State zoologist John Crane said, There is no such thing as Bigfoot. No data other than material that's clearly been fabricated has ever been presented. Climate and food supply issues would make survival of the creature in the reported areas highly unlikely. All recognized non-human apes are found in the tropics of Africa and Asia. No great ape has ever been found in the fossil record in America, and no physical remains have ever been located. A creature that lives must die, and its body must be left behind. Even if there were family groups with burial rituals, some remains would be dug up by other animals or overturned during building. Philip Stevens, a cultural anthropologist at the University of Buffalo, stated the following, It defies all logic that there is a population of these things sufficient to keep them going. What it takes to maintain any species, especially a long-lived species, is you gotta have a breeding population. That requires a substantial number, spread out over a fairly wide area where they can find sufficient food and shelter to keep hidden from all the investigators. Jane Goodall, yes that Jane Goodall, was even asked her opinion on Bigfoot in 2002. She stated, well now you will be amazed when I tell you that I'm sure that they exist. She later added chuckling, well I'm a romantic so I always wanted them to exist. And finally, you know why there isn't a body? I can't answer that and maybe they don't exist but I want them to. Huffington Post later caught up to her to ask for another take on the Bigfoot myth in 2012. Goodall said, I'm fascinated and I would love for them to exist. Of course, it's strange that there has never been a single authentic hide or hair of the Bigfoot, but I've read all the accounts. Author and paleontologist Darren Nash states in a 2016 article for Scientific America that the lack of evidence found is the biggest issue with the possibility of the existence of a cryptid. He summarizes it in three parts. In order for Bigfoot to exist, they would need to be one constant reports of uniform vocalizations through North America. Two, an abundance of easily found tracks that can be verified by scientists. And three, several samples of DNA, such as hair, blood, and feces that can be tested and compared. Unfortunately, these things are just not available. At the present time, most sightings are blamed on bears, escaped chimps, or other humans. Now the side of a bear is to be expected, while upright adult black bears stand roughly 5 to 7 feet and grizzly bears roughly 8 to 9 feet, both within the range of the Bigfoot reports. 
Some have proposed the sightings of Bigfoot may simply be people observing and misidentifying great apes such as chimpanzees, gorillas, and orangutans that have escaped from captivity such as zoos, circuses, and private owners. The most dangerous of these misidentifications is when a human is mistaken for Bigfoot. In 2013, a 21-year-old man in Oklahoma was arrested after he told law enforcement he accidentally shot his friend in the back while their group was allegedly hunting for Bigfoot. In 2018, a person was shot multiple times by a hunter near Helena, Montana, who claimed he mistook him for a Bigfoot. Now, you might be wondering if this is the murder that the title referenced, but actually, it gets even weirder. On July 9th, 2022, Larry Doyle Sanders was out noodling with his friend Jimmy Glenn Knighton on the South Canadian River. Noodling is when you fish using your hands to catch the fish directly. This fun outing between friends would end in a murder. Sanders was arrested on an outstanding warrant after he came back to Knighton's residence alone and told his daughter that while he was out on the river, he found out that Knighton planned to feed him to Bigfoot. According to Special Agent Justin Brown, Sanders believed Knighton was trying to get away from him so that Bigfoot could eat him. Sanders grabbed Knighton and punched him before striking him with a stick. They then tussled on the ground before Sanders choked Knighton to death near the river. Deputies who arrested Sanders reported he seemed to be under the influence of illegal drugs and he had a history of drug abuse. He would later draw a map and provide directions that helped searchers find Knighton's body. Now that story is bonkers and details are appearing every day as more comes to light, but killing your buddy so he won't feed you to Bigfoot is definitely not a common theme. Hoaxes though are. There are several admitted hoaxers who have come forward to reveal their schemes. Just recall our friend Ray Wallace. Tom Biscardi, longtime Bigfoot enthusiast and CEO of Searching for Bigfoot Inc., appeared on the Coast to Coast AM Paranormal radio show on July 14, 2005, and said that he was 98% sure that his group would be able to capture a Bigfoot, which they had been tracking in the Happy Camp, California area. A month later, he announced on the same radio show that he had captured Bigfoot and was arranging a pay-per-view event for people to see it. He appeared on Coast to Coast AM again a few days later to announce there was no captive Bigfoot. He blamed an unnamed woman for misleading him and said the show's audience was just too gullible. Oh, our good buddy Tom, though, he's had a lot of swings and misses. On July 9, 2008, Rick Dyer and Matthew Witten posted a video on YouTube claiming that they had discovered the body of a dead Bigfoot in a forest in northern Georgia. Tom Biscardi was contacted to investigate. Dyer and Witten received $50,000 from Searching for Bigfoot, Inc. The story was covered by many major news networks, including BBC, CNN, ABC News, and Fox News. Soon after the press conference, the alleged Bigfoot body was delivered in a block of ice in a freezer with a Searching for Bigfoot team. When the contents were thawed, observers found that the hair was not real, the head was hollow, and the feet were rubber. Dyer and Witten admitted that it was a hoax, and just like Tom, Rick Dyer went for another spin. In January 2014, Dyer said that he had killed a Bigfoot in September 2012 outside San Antonio. He claimed to have had scientific tests conducted on the body, quote, 
from DNA tests to 3D optical scans to body scans, it is the real deal. It's Bigfoot and Bigfoot's here and I shot it and now I'm proving it to the world. He said that he had kept the body in a hidden location and he intended to take it on a tour across North America in 2014. He released photos of the body and a video showing a few individuals reactions to seeing it but never released any of the tests or scans. He refused to disclose the test results or to provide biological samples. He said the DNA results were done by an undisclosed lab and could not be matched to identify any known animal. Dyer said that he would reveal the body and test on February 9, 2014 at a news conference at Washington University, but he never made the test results available. After the Phoenix tour, the Bigfoot body was taken to Houston. On March 28, 2014, Dyer admitted on his Facebook page that his Bigfoot corpse was another hoax. He had paid Chris Russell of Twisted Toy Box to manufacture the prop from latex, foam, and camel hair, and he had nicknamed it Hank. Dyer earned approximately $60,000 from the tour of this second fake Bigfoot corpse. He stated that he did kill a Bigfoot, but did not want to take the real body on tour for fear that it would be stolen. My god, $50,000 and $60,000, I would have blown a gasket. As long as people wander the woods looking for Bigfoot, there will be people also wandering the internet looking for people to scam. And no matter what side of the debate you fall on, we can enjoy the fun and the whimsy that Bigfoot brings, and we can all enjoy gathering around the campfire to listen to Uncle Earl spin his yarn one more time. Well, that's all for this episode. So what do you think? Do you believe in Bigfoot? What evidence do you think is most compelling? What would it take to convince you of this cryptic's existence? Let us know what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and leave a review. The Otter Pod is now on TikTok. Come follow us there. Do you have a suggestion for the show? Send me an email at theotterpod at gmail.com with your requests and whether you'd like me to mention your name, your alias, or nothing at all. Remember, this is the otter side, so give me something cool, creepy, or confusing to deep dive for you. If you liked the show, leave us a review. They really help. I'm actually headed into the woods now for a camping trip, so I'll keep my eyes peeled for Mr. Foot. The Otter Podcast posts every other Thursday. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on The Otter Side.